Hello and welcome to GP Works, the podcast about and for general practice from the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Helen McVeigh, Quality and Policy Manager in ICGP, and in this podcast I'm talking to Dr. Johnny Sweeney, who's a GP in Stranorler in Donegal. We're going to talk about being a GP in Donegal and about IT for GPs because Johnny is also the GP IT Project Manager. So Johnny, maybe tell me to start a little bit about why you decided to study medicine and why you studied it in Dublin. Well, I suppose I didn't know much else. My father was a country GP in, in Tyrone, Northern Ireland. My brother, since um, working in the same practice, and with an uncle too, is a GP in Dunlow and Donegal. And that was the life I was brought up with, which is different general practice than what we have today. Um, you know, my dad was on a one and two rota for 30 years. Um, why did I choose Dublin? Well, they all went to RCSI and they all had great stories and experiences of it. So I was always keen to, um, if possible, to, to come to RCSI and, and experience that myself. Uh, I suppose at that time I would have been educated in Northern Ireland and it was a fractious time. I spent a year in Belfast in 1991-92 and it was a rough time um, with bombings and stuff and, and sectarianism and when you're kind of brought up in that environment, it gets ingrained into you, and I really wanted to get out of it. Um, so I was, I was keen to get to Dublin. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that being a northerner myself. And um, you've touched on it a little bit about why general practice, because it's in the family. And what, what else outside of what you knew from them attracted you into the career? Um, well, you know, I always, I always liked the way that, that being a GP... You, you, you were educated, you were a doctor, but really you were part of the community and, and you could socialise with the community and, and you know, you, you're, you're down at, at, at base level in the community, really. And, and to me, probably being a little bit anti-establishment kind of mentality, I like to, and I still like to, get down to the lowest level of, of society. You know, those, those patients I enjoy the most because they're the people that I think we can really help and mm-hmm. take them under your wing and show them that you're there for them. It's the most rewarding part of, of medicine. I think general practice is a place where you can really get exposed to that. Mm-hmm. And what keeps you in Ireland specifically? Being Irish and familiarity um, would be the main thing. Um, you know, it's a great country. It, it has evolved something fantastic over the last 20 years. It's, it's become so multicultural. In Stenora now, I would say good quarter of my patients are non-nationals and mm-hmm. and they all bring something different to the table from their culture probably Polish would be one of the biggest cohorts and and they're, they're great people they're very like the Irish in mentality as well so I don't, I don't see why I have to go somewhere else to, <laughs> to experience what, I'm, what we're experiencing just to be clear I'm not suggesting that yeah. you do <laughs> um, maybe we'll dip now a little bit into the technology side because as GPIT project manager um Clearly, you enjoy technology, and is there one any one technological innovation that you would like to see in general practice or in the Irish healthcare system? There are there are lots, hundreds. Uh, I suppose the biggest sweep would be accessibility to diagnostics. To take that diagnostic framework away from secondary and tertiary care, to bring it into the community, to empower us to to learn how to. There are a lot of non-invasive diagnostics as GPs we can be performing. And in the UK, you know, I do ultrasound in practice. I've been doing it since 2005. I 
subspecialise in fetal scanning at the moment. But when I was getting trained in the UK on ultrasound, you know, we had a professor from Hammersmith University. He wrote the books on ultrasound, and mm-hmm. and he, his mission was to get as many GPs doing this to get it out of the radiology departments because there's nothing you could scan an ultrasound that you wouldn't get better imaging with magnetic resonance imaging. So, so when I came back after learning my ultrasound, talking to radiologists in Ireland, the attitude was very different. Okay. Some, some of my radiology colleagues were very supportive. They helped me to you know, source a machine, what qualities it would need. But then other equal friends that I went through college with, we had fun, they said, stay away from this. It's not your place. Um, and, you know, I can understand their concerns, and I would have concerns myself, and that's why, really, I keep my scanning and presence to what I'm qualified to do and what I'm mm-hmm. confident to do. And I know there is scope for misdiagnosing things, for for missing stuff that's obvious for somebody else. And, and it is a, it's, it's a thing I'd like to see improve in general practice, but I think it has to be done structured and, and carefully, and it has to be done with support of bodies like the... The, the radiology group as well. But hopefully in time, we'll get more diagnostics because that's the biggest thing, slowing us up for our patients at the okay. moment. Okay, and that would relieve, relieve a whole lot of the pressure on the secondary It would care. indeed, yeah. Um, you know, patients themselves are getting empowered to what they want. Take, take for us at Donegal, you know, four or five years ago to get a, an MRI scan, we'd have to refer the patient to an outpatient clinic that wait two to three years to be seen there. They might wait another year to get even a simple ultrasound. Yeah. And now, you know, in the last few years, a video have come down to Letterkenny. So patients are walking in, I want my knee MRI, they want my hip MRI. And, and that's their choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to stand and say, you don't need this and there's no... You know, that's the way the world is evolving. And if you if you put barriers to patients getting diagnostics that they want, they're going to go elsewhere and seek them. And, and I think they're entitled to mm-hmm. to to have their take control and empowerment of their own health and, and access to diagnostics would be a way to gain that. Yeah. And you've mentioned growing up in the north and presumably you've experienced the National Health Service there. Are there any good things that the NHS does that you would like to see being implemented here in Ireland? Oh, the big obvious one is the two-tiered health system we have here in Ireland. You know, being being brought up in the NHS and every patient receives the same care and treatment and, and irrespective of wealth and earnings, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm, and I'm sorry that Ireland is, all throughout my career, that two-tier system's getting further separated. Uh, I find that very sad. Um, and I don't know if Ireland's going to get get to a same healthcare for all system mm-hmm. where it should be, but certainly that would be a big thing in the in the north that I thought was great. Yes, um, I agree with you in terms of my experience there too. On the other side of that, are there good things in the Irish healthcare system that the NHS could learn from? Um, yes, and unfortunately. What they could learn, Ireland, I feel, is kind of moving towards the UK model, and that's really middle management coming in and taking empowerment over general practice. I think being being left to decide how we practice what we do is a, a valuable thing we have in Irish general practice. But when things like HSE come in and decide what you should and shouldn't be doing and how you should conduct your work every minute of every day and how long you should work, I think that's where it becomes dangerous and you're going to lose... The, the unmeasurable beauty of what it is to be a general practitioner. So maybe on that same theme, if you were Minister of Health for a day or so, what one thing would you change for general practice? 
I would I would appreciate the work that the general practitioner in Ireland does today. I would really sit down and look at the subtleties that, that they give to the community and the, the, the confidence that the GP gives to the patient and, and appreciate and nurture that and not to try and break it down and put it into boxes, which unfortunately has happened in the, the NHS. That would be my main request to the Health Minister. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to veer off a little bit now and talk about your some of your hobbies, maybe the things you do outside being a GP. Ooh, I, I've heard a rumour that you're a pilot or you, you know how to fly. Well, yeah, well... Tell us a little bit about that. I suppose my hobbies stem from a, an ADHD mind. Um, from a flying point of view, I've always been interested in my, my uncle Dodo, he's a GP in Dunlow. He was a pilot and he, he's an instructor as well and I, I used to fly with him when I was a kid um, and then I got into paragliding and I went to Portugal and I got my paramotor licence and that was great fun. Very adrenaline driven. Um, <laughs> I imagine. I, I would fly small aircraft um, mostly in Portugal but there's clubs in Donegal that I would have been up flying with before but you know as I've got older and have a child now, I appreciate the dangers to flying, so I do probably fly every day, but I don't do it in an aircraft, I do it in virtual reality. Um, oh, right, okay. So I, I, I find that incredibly relaxing to be in, in a 737 cockpit in virtual reality, talking to ATC and, and getting up through the clouds, and it's a lovely release. So that's how I enjoy my flying now. And where do you like to fly to in your virtual reality? I go all around the world. I landed in, in um, Rio de Janeiro last night. Lovely sunset. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm all over the world. Yeah. I could be anywhere. Well, and are there any similarities between the skills you need for flying and being a GP? Um, kind of. There are in the sense that you're you're looking at problems uh, from multiple levels and layers at the same time. And when you're flying an aircraft, you're looking at meteorology, many different forces. Um, communication all happening at the one time so there, there are multiple processes spinning in your brain while you're undertaking one task and, and having the average GP consultation that's the way your brain spins as well mm-hmm. you're trying to think of everything that you yeah you're, you're, to you're trying to console the patient figure out where you go with them next what they need prescribed who they need referred to what auxiliary services they need so it's not as simple as patient comes in with problems or problem patient goes there there are multiple tasks happening all at the same time and, and that's what flying does and that's what ultrasound does as well. You chase a baby in three dimensions, it's spinning around a womb and you're trying to configure the anatomy of the child as it rotates itself around. It's a, it's, it's a great exercise for brain. <laughs> that's a, a lovely way to think about it. I hadn't thought of it like that before. Um, and based now on where you are in your current perspective, if you were looking back at your student self starting out in your medical career, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Well, I would tell myself to do what I did and enjoy every minute of college. It was a wonderful experience. And where I'm at now, I closed my eyes and it was like yesterday I left college. And it was well, clearly it was, looking at you, John. No, it was, it's well, 30 years or 20 years ago now. And... Uh, I just appreciate that life flies very fast and enjoy every day because it, it, it goes fast. And mm. just make the most of every day and enjoy your life when you have it. Mm. An interesting one. And would you recommend for your own child to do a medical career? Um, question. I, I do. And I probably 
based that on the, the camaraderie we had as a family. Like my wife went to RCSA as well, and so we're all embroiled in it. But but I don't know is 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 medicine going to be the same for her as it was for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'll wait and see how that progresses. But at the moment, she's nine years old and okay. she says herself she wants to be a dog. And, and we're wanted, not pushing. If she wanted to rebel and do something different oh, in the family tradition. Oh, I fully support her, yeah. <laughs> fully support her. Um, and what do you think, looking ahead into 10, 20, 30 years' time in GP, what do you think one of the biggest differences might be in, in how, you, how you operate as a GP? Um, well, I think general practice is evolving and it always has evolved. Um, my biggest worry for general practice at the moment is there's a kind of a perfect storm brewing of uh, severe difficulties getting GPs, new GPs to come and work on the job. They you know more than my father who did 30 years, one and two, they see well, the work we do as being unrewarding to what they could be doing. So retention of GPs is a serious issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I know with the new change in contract, they're looking to try and change that, improve that, put more investment into general practice. But really at the ground level, it's not there yet. And if it, mm-hmm. if it doesn't get there, I worry for the future of general practice. Um, but we'll see how that pans out. Maybe the virtual reality. Yeah, it might be the one. to be used yeah. a lot. So it's been my pleasure to talk to you, Johnny. And I yeah. think we'll uh, finish up our uh, interview. I'd like to say thank you to Dr. Johnny Sweeney for joining us on this podcast. We hope you like GP Works and do remember there are more episodes on our SoundCloud channel and on iTunes. Do subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out and let your colleagues know. I'm Helen McVeigh and thanks for listening.